0: show. Join me as I dive deep into the captivating, confronting and character building world that is competitive swimming. The pool is a school but the lessons are for life. My name is Duncan Todd and you are On Deck with Dunk. Welcome back everybody to yet another episode of The Book of Eight Lanes, where I discuss and distill 40 years of experience as both a competitive swimmer and as a coach into eight ideas, one for each lane of an Olympic final. Having already introduced two of our eight finalists so far, today we welcome the representative into lane seven. As I've mentioned previously, coming into this project, I had a number of concepts and ideas I wanted to discuss. Some of them are slam-dunk entries that will be racing in the center lanes of 4 and 5, but all of them are worthy finalists. There is an element of flex and amorphousness, so to speak, with many of these ideas frequently jostling amongst the lanes as I consider them. But today, I have woken up with a very concrete feeling of what we need to talk about next. So, sensitive enough to the universe to know when to follow its promptings, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our third qualifier into the book of eight lanes. Swimming in lane seven is... Be a great teammate. Okay, so here's a change of pace. The first two entries, you could be forgiven for considering quite wide-sweeping, quite macro... Here, however, is an idea that seems on first impression to be more direct, more concrete and more immediately practical. And hopefully you're already mulling it over, thinking about how in such an ultra individually focused competitive sport like swimming, can the idea of being a great teammate storm into the final of the book of eight lanes? As I wander through life, observing and reflecting on people and experiences and events, I'm becoming more attuned to seeing apparent paradoxes everywhere. Honestly, I get a kick out of them, and this one is a pearler. If you can be a great teammate throughout your journey in an ultra-individually competitive sport like swimming, your experience personally and results in swimming will be better, richer, and more successful. If banks could still be trusted like in the good old days, I'd tell you to take that statement and deposit it in your account. Today, however, I'd suggest you stuff that piece of wisdom under your mattress. So let's talk about the team, and to do so, I would like to paint an image in your mind's eye so that we can better visualize things as we work through it. Conjure up an image of a paper target, the ones that they use for archery or shooting. Typically, they are circular targets with concentric circles radiating away in larger bands from a very small circle in the center we call the bullseye. The ring around the bullseye is worth nine points, the slightly larger ring next to it on the outside is worth eight points, and so on. As we talk about the elements of a team, I'm going to whack them in the different rings based on their importance. So let's start with that nine point ring immediately surrounding the bullseye. First on the board has to go the coach. Your coach, assuming that he or she is actually in charge of the program, is the single most important element in the team. She is the driving force behind the team's culture. The head coach is the helmsman, so to speak, steering the ship to the promised land, craftily using the principles, values, and approaches that will best ensure smooth sailing. If your coach doesn't control the culture of the team, if, for example, the club is run by committee without any firm culture-based principles, then find another club. But I digress. Alongside the head coach, in that ring that's worth nine points, if you are an age grouper still living at home, the next people on the board will be your parents. If you're a pro and in a relationship, pencil in your significant other. Your coach and your immediate family are the most impactful people on your swimming journey, and they are also the people most impacted by your swimming journey. The next ring, the next concentric circle, is worth eight points, and this is where your teammates go. These are the guys and girls that you'll be training with every single day. They'll suffer with you through those long, tough sessions. They'll be your comic relief, your confidants, and your rivals They will be witnesses to your greatest triumphs and your hardest lessons. They are important. The next ring, worth seven points, is where the support staff goes. The coaches and professionals you work with to supplement your pool training. Here we're talking about strength and conditioning coaches, physios, nutritionists, and the like. We're also going to whack in swimmers from your local rival clubs that you race against. Luckily, this is quite a big ring because... On top of that, we're going to throw in your teachers, if you're still at school, or your employers, if you're balancing your swimming with having a job. And lastly, let's throw in the many volunteers that help run our sport, from committee members through to poolside technical officials. Who knew that we all operate in such large teams when it comes to the ultra-individual competitive sport of swimming? Now, I would like to take a moment to examine exactly what it is we're talking about when we say, be a great teammate. What does that look like, and how do we do it? Chapter 8 of the Tao Te Ching, the jewel of a book written by Lao Tzu all those thousands of years ago, leaps into my mind when thinking about this. The passage is a short one, and it is appropriately called, The Best. The Best Like Water Benefit all and do not contend. They dwell in lowly places that everybody else scorns. Putting others before themselves, they find themselves in the highest place and come very near to the Tao. In their dwelling, they love the earth. In their heart, they love what is deep. In personal relationships, they love kindness. In their words, they love the truth In the world, they love peace. In personal affairs, they love what is right. And in action, they love choosing the right time. Because they do not contend with others, they are beyond reproach. Now, if you ask me, that sums up an ideal teammate. In actual fact, it it sums up a great human, in my opinion. But let's unpack it in the context of being a great teammate, on a competitive swimming team. Being a great teammate means that your presence and your input is a net positive to those around you. While of course there will be instances of conflict and disagreements along the journey, in general, a great teammate doesn't oppose the overall culture and direction of the group. This really is a key concept. Each team, every club, Every group or organization has a culture, that set of values and approaches through which it operates, and the culture surrounds and permeates everything that you experience when operating within it. Cultures can be uplifting, inspiring, and beneficial, or they can be downright divisive, enervating, and toxic. So, in short, find a club that has a culture you groove with, and then do your bit to help amplify, solidify, and promote that culture by being a great teammate. Don't be a drag. Now, a great teammate can pull themselves out of the myopic focus on themselves. They can reach out with support, empathy, and encouragement to those around them. Let's go back to that passage very quickly and unpack certain lines that really describe the characteristics of what it means to be a great teammate in their dwelling they love the earth now a great teammate broadly vibes with the principles and values of the team the culture of the group is where you will be living so to speak during your swimming career and so it's important that you find a place that you love in their heart they love what is deep now a great teammate can separate the surface niggles and passing storm clouds for the more substantial, deeper, shared connection that they have with those around them. Their focus is on the deeper experience rather than getting too caught up with the temporary surface stuff. In personal relationships, they love kindness. Now, a great teammate is a kind teammate. How much better would life be on a daily basis if we could all simply remember to try to be kind to each other? Kindness has transformative power. A genuine smile can make a big difference. A caring comment can make someone's day. Simple things, but powerful things. And kindness is the top of the pile. In their words, they love the truth. Now, a great teammate is an honest one, a straight shooter, a what-you-see-is-what-you-get kind of guy or girl. And that's very important. In fact, it's essential in this day and age. Two-faced, double-tongued backstabbers will do more harm to a team than you'd think possible. Stooping to that level hurts you too. It will forever cut you off from the genuine love and trust of those around you, condemning you to a sad sojourn in what can become a very desolate place. In the world, they love peace. A great teammate loves harmony. Note, however, we're not talking about the false type of pretend camaraderie that can exist when real issues that need to be discussed are just ignored and swept under the rug. Competitive swimming is tough at the best of times, let alone when unnecessary drama and contention swirls around a team. A genuine harmony, a drama-free environment, is a massive advantage to everyone involved, So a great teammate works to create that. And now, understand that harmony doesn't necessarily mean not having tough conversations. On the contrary, sometimes to be able to really work together well and achieve new goals together, you need to get down to the nitty-gritty, you need to have some difficult discussions, but then work forward with respect and mutual care. In personal affairs, they love what is right. A great teammate has a strong sense of principles and values. They are in tune with themselves, and they have the moral fortitude to do the right thing, even if there is a short-term opportunity cost to them as an individual. An example that springs to mind would be of a local gun age group swimmer, hanging around for an extra three hours at a meet to swim in a mixed-age relay stacked with the youngest members of the team at the end of a very long weekend of racing, for example. Small things, small gestures, can make such a big difference as a great teammate. In life, you'll find that there are either principles or expediencies, and either way, you pay a price. Competitive swimming is a world in which success is so tightly, rigidly, and narrowly defined. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that everyone regardless of how good a swimmer they are, can bring something valuable to the table in the context of the team. During the decades of running swimming teams, many of the best team captains that I've had the pleasure of working with haven't necessarily been the best swimmers. It's very important to appreciate and bear in mind that in order to build a rich and varied culture, It's very important to include in the environment people with different skill sets. As a member of such a group, it's also very important to have an insight into what different people can bring to the table. And although someone may, for example, not be as fast in the pool, they might bring a richness of experience to the training environment that lifts you up regardless. It's analogous in a way to that old saying that it takes a village to raise a child. When I was still competing, and now we're turning the clock back 30 years or so here, I trained with a very small national group in Hong Kong. Our head coach at the time was the legendary swimming coach from Australia, Bill Sweetenham, one of the toughest sons of guns that I'd ever encountered. And let me tell you, he ran a tight ship. The training was demanding, and Bill was, in a word, relentless. And it was all about performance. It was all about results. As part of an albeit micro-swimming nation, that was an appropriate approach for a national-level group. Being the quintessential international city Hong Kong had convoluted representation criteria involving residency, ethnicity, and more. and There were a number of hoops to dive through, to say the least, in order to be eligible for selection onto the national team. And the lead-up to the Barcelona Olympics in 1992, Bill made an exception for a guy to be able to train with the group, despite not being able to represent Hong Kong. Pete... Was a super enthusiastic Aussie expat. He was six foot six with a smile as wide as a barn door. Pete trained his lights out every day and was honestly 100% excited to be part of the group. He took legitimate delight in our achievements and was such a great addition to the team. Whenever Monday mornings rolled around, you could bet your bottom dollar that I was there foul-tempered, self-pitying, and being a dumpster fire of a teammate. Luckily for the group, Pete would invariably bound in through the doors like a doberman and manhandle any bad moods out the door. Bill, as astute as he was tough, realized that Pete would bring some much-needed levity and pressure-free energy to the group. Now, there are two more specific elements, particular parts of the equation of this discussion that I would like to dive into some more. The first is being a great teammate to your parents if you're an age grouper and to your significant other if you're an adult athlete. The second deals with rivals. But let's talk about parents and partners. As a teenage swimmer, I was a terrible communicator with my folks. Car rides back from training or dinner times were the usual hunting grounds for my surliness. So how was training, I would be asked. A simple, innocent question asked by my caring parents. Now, for whatever reason, and it probably says something about the kind of surly teenager I was at the time, that question irritated me. Neither of my parents had been competitive athletes, neither of them knew what it felt like to push 4100s best average, neither of them knew how tired you could get after a third successive 100k week in the water. So what could I tell them? So I would answer with a good or a hard and accompany it with a heaped dose of attitude that made it clear that that was as forthcoming as I was going to get. I made a very elementary mistake of dismissing my parents entirely because they had never trained like I was. I cut myself off from all sorts of wisdom and support simply because I didn't understand that knowledge and experiences from different domains can so often apply in very meaningful ways in another. I also squandered the opportunity to give my parents insight into actually how demanding and challenging the training and competing was. And as a consequence, I lost the opportunity to help create a more rounded understanding and appreciation of what I was doing in my parents. Talk about short-sighted. If only I could have today's mind 30 years ago. And what I talk about here while relating to my parents is equally, of course, applicable to a significant other as an adult athlete it's going to be very important to be able to have open clear understanding and communication with the person with whom you share your life and of course this same principle applies although perhaps to a slightly lesser extent to other authority figures as such that operate within our lives if you're an age grouper you'll be at school so Having have your teachers understand exactly what it is you're going through might actually help you. If you're working and holding down a job, you can obviously see how important it is to have your employer on side. In essence, it is supremely important to keep the loved ones who support us in our swimming journey, but who might not otherwise be involved in swimming, informed and up to date. Supercoach! And very good personal friend of mine, Michael Bowl, is famous for saying, Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And being tired can obviously impact on one's mood and one's conduct. If your non-swimming support crew understand that, they might be a little bit more supportive in effective ways when you're under the pump and struggling. And they might be a little bit more inclined to turn a small blind eye to your surliness and poor behavior when you're tired at the end of a long week. Irrespective of the improved utility you might receive from better communication, it's important on a fundamental level to take the time and make the effort to include and appreciate those people that facilitate your ability to train. Yes, it's easy to see Mum or dad as the enemy when they're taking you to another training session at 5 in the morning, but you're the one who wants to swim. They're supporting and trying to facilitate your dreams and desires by also getting out of their own warm bed at 5 in the morning. So if you happen to sometimes be a surly son of a gun like I was, please take this advice on board, wind your neck in, be kind, be patient. And show some gratitude after all it's the least that you can do and now let's talk about rivals it's really important to view fierce rivals with the respect that they deserve because they are an essential part of your team sounds mutually exclusive doesn't it especially when those rivals hail from another team or even another country but as we discussed last episode Good can come from bad, lessons are contained in setbacks, and rivals can spur us on to achieve new heights of performance. Just ask Ryan Lochte in an age of Michael Phelps, or Grant Hackett in an age of Ian Thorpe, or now Ariane in an age of Kate Ledecky. A rising tide lifts all boats, and the best competitors relish the rise and improvement of their rivals because it fuels their fire. It sets the bar. It becomes the new standard and it conceives belief. If she can do it, then so can I. It makes it impossible to settle. Let's just look at men's tennis for the last decade. Actually, more now. Roger Federer emerged as a phenomenon in sport, a talent that shone with supernova brightness. So what happened? Rafael Nadal happened. And a few years later, as those two legends traded titles and epic showdowns, a fresh faced challenger called Novak strolled casually onto the scene. One of my favorite sayings is fire feeds on obstacles, and in a rival that can push your face in, is contained the fuel for a fire that will take you to new heights. So be a great teammate to your fiercest rivals, because they can, if you approach it gracefully, be your greatest allies. And now, one last thing for our discussion today in lane 7, Be a Great Teammate. Whilst talking about the idea, I painted that picture of a circular target with those concentric rings that allowed us to categorize the many varied elements of our team I left one ring out however the most important ring I didn't talk about the bullseye we have actually one more person to put on that list and this person is the most important of them all the only person that you write inside that bullseye is you As important as it is to be a great communicator to the people around you, as essential as it is to be a positive influence, to be principled and consistent in your approach with your team, it is even more important to treat yourself the same way. Be kind to yourself, but not indulgent. Be honest with yourself, especially when that's hard to face. Look out for yourself, but not to the exclusion of others, Be understanding and recognize that you can have tough days. Be encouraging. The next time you're fighting through a long, hard main set, take the time to look around you and spot that teammate who's struggling just as much or maybe even more than you are. Take a moment to encourage them. Give them a shout out. Be a great teammate to those around you. And then, quietly, in your mind, do the same thing again. But this time, do it for you.